Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Still Alice, Leviathan, Awake, Birdman, Two Days, One Night, and more. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm ready to go. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. On this episode, a conversation with the prolific and gifted comedian Matt Bronger, who lives in California. Matt's new uh, special is called Big Dumb Animal. It's out now, and uh, we chatted about that a little bit, and also his life living in Portland, Oregon as a kid, and listening to George Carlin records, and and uh, moving away from Portland, and being on The Late Show with David Letterman, and and, you know, what it takes to be a comedian these days, all sorts of stuff. So that's the deal. This is me and Matt Bronger. You're going to hear some material from his new record. I think this is a good one. Enjoy myself and Matt Bronger. If you enjoy the Creative Control podcast and want to support it with a monthly pledge, please visit patreon.com slash creative control. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash creative control with two Ks. You can pledge $1 a month or $4, $8, $30, $50, $100 a month, whatever you want. There are gifts and incentives to pledge. More than anything, you can keep the show going. There's no other revenue stream for this podcast. I've been doing it for my own fulfillment and to contribute something to the culture. But I think it's time to see if I can generate some kind of salary from all of this work. So, if you appreciate Creative Control, again, please consider pledging a monthly amount. All of the info you need is at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is the 
ironically, the coolest place in the world now. When I was a kid, not cool at all. So I grew up wanting to be cool. See how things flip? But I love it. I love Portland, but it's too nice of a place. Like, it's way too nice. Like, they did a study where they, uh, they timed, they got in a car and they got a stopwatch and they timed how long it took the car behind them to honk when the light turned green, okay? In New York, it was like .00007 seconds. Green, okay, get the fuck, welcome to Brooklyn, okay. In Portland, this happened. Okay, it's green, click. That's 30 seconds. You serious? <laughs> Holy shit. Ah! The guy got out of his car, walked up, and was like, boom, boom, boom. You guys okay? You all right? Just checking. Brought you a slice of pie. <laughs> Matt Bronger is a gifted stand-up comedian and performer who spent a good chunk of his life living in Portland, Oregon, but now calls Los Angeles home. He was a cast member on Mad TV during that show's final season. He has starred in a few Comedy Central stand-up specials and acted on some sitcoms. And he's appeared on almost every high-profile late-night talk show in America. His new stand-up special is the hilarious Big Dumb Animal, which is out now via Comedy Dynamics. And here now to talk about stuff is Matt Bronger. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, man. It's my pleasure. Now, where are you? Right now, I am in Los Angeles, uh, in Atwater Village, to be specific, in my girlfriend's apartment. Nice. That's that yeah. sounds. That's I don't know Atwater. Is that that's like a suburb? No, it's it's in L.A. It's it's right next to uh, Los Feliz and Silver Lake, and you know it's it's yet another uh, hipper than hip area. You know, you'll find here in Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how long have you been in How long have you been in L.A.? Uh, well, I've lived here about 12 years. Okay. So you're, you're fully ensconced. You're used to it. Nothing surprises you? No. Well, there's always stuff that, that, that will, uh, catch you off guard, but yeah, I, I pretty much have the lay of the land by now for sure. <laughs> but you know, you have to understand since there are no seasons, it only feels like I've been here for like six years. Right. Um, so, you know, it all, it all runs together and in a, in a, in a timeline of, 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 uh, steady sunshine and, and broken dreams. So you, it's just all, you know, it doesn't feel like I've been here that long, but I have. So yeah. Still, that still throws me off. That still blows my mind. That seems kind of weird. Yeah. It's like being in the Yukon territory where there's, there's like no sun for like almost the entire time. And then all of a sudden the sun won't go down. You know about that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot like that, but stretched over, over a decade. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of timelines, you made this record when you were 39, which you, yes. on the record, you kind of implies like a purgatory age for a single guy with no kids. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious, is this your most reflective hour of stand-up yet? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I really tried to focus on, uh, you know, the, the foibles of my life and exactly where I am and who I am and just try to be as, as honest as possible. I I think I succeeded on a lot of levels and you know, and some need, might need a little bit more work, and I can do that on the next hour. But, yeah, a friend just kind of gave me a note earlier uh, last year and just said, you know, I think it, your stuff is funny, but I, I wonder if people know get exactly who you are uh, when they see you on stage. And, and I just, I, I'm a fan of comedians who, 
you know, like five, ten minutes in, I get like, oh, okay, I get who this person is. I get who he or she is and, and, and who they are and where they are in their life kind of thing. So you, you, that, that was kind of the aim for sure. You have generally been more of a joke machine type person. You're not someone who spends a lot of time neurotically talking about yourself? No, I do that too. I'm an only child. So yeah, there's neurosis built in, but it's, uh, it's, I always like, like to do, you know, sillier stuff or a little more observational stuff, but it was kind of the last special. I liked it, but it was all over the place. It would just kind of switch gears and just, you know, it was just a bunch of stuff thrown in a pot, all good stuff. But this one, there's a little bit more of a, uh, a theme and, and I don't want to push that too much. I don't want to do the next one and have it be like a, God forbid, a one man show or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it was just a little more focused that way. Now I'm, I'm 37. I have two kids, but I don't yet feel old. Like I, I'm tired, but sure. I do stuff. I feel engaged with the world around me. Do you feel old? Because I assume by this point you made the special when no, you're 39. No, man. It's weird. I mean, it's, you know, I, I try to exercise regularly. I have a pretty avid social life and, you know, I, I, I definitely, one thing I've accepted about myself is I'm, I'm a bit of a human being of arrested development. Like I'm kind of reaching a point that most dudes reach when they turn 30 as a 40 year old. And it's, you know, I don't think that's, that there's necessarily anything wrong with that as long as I'm honest about it. I think the saddest thing is when a guy gets into his forties and just will not face it and will not, you know, be honest about it. I don't feel 40. I really do not. And I'm sure if I had two kids like yourself, Maybe I would, uh, you know, it's, it's a very invested thing. It's a very, uh, uh, athletic thing from what I understand with friends who have kids chasing the kids around and, uh, you know, putting up with fatigue and exhaustion and things like that. But no, I'm with you, man. I I think, I think, you know, our parents' generation, well, for one, they smoked cigarettes when they were like 13 or 14 and that's going to age you right there. Right. And, 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 you know, and, uh, I think we, 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 we kind of understand health boundaries a little better than the generation before us, generally speaking. But, you know, it's, it's maybe I'm not as honest with myself as I like to believe, but I just don't feel uh, my, my age like, you know, in a good way, I should say. Yeah. I think it, it just, it comes down to just uh, uh, being able to play and, and, and have fun. It comes down to. And are you 40? You must be 40 now. Yes, I am. Yeah. I turned 40 in August. And you feel good. You feel fine. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I might drop dead tomorrow, but I don't think so. No, you we'll see, you seem like you're in good spirits. Yeah, I think you say, you sound healthy enough over the phone. I think you'll be fine. Thank you. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I'm going to run with that. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my <laughs> diagnosis over the phone. Now, you're, Perfect. You're, you're a comedian, which means you're a writer, and thus you do some pretty solitary work. Uh, and I, and mm-hmm. as, you, as we've discussed already, this record, Big Dumb Animal, seems a bit more... Uh, reflective of you, are you, I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on you, are you a lonely person? No, I'm not. I, I've always been, uh, I think one thing being an only child does is it teaches you how to make friends. So I've always been good at that. I've always had, you know, good people around me, uh, you know, honest people, which I think is essential. And uh, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily categorize myself as, as lonely. You Sometimes you're not as honest as as you want to be about that kind of thing because it is such a you know, it's a sad feeling to feel lonely, and it and it's uh, it's tricky when you're on the road a lot and just staying in hotel rooms. But I I just I wouldn't no I would not categorize myself as a, as a lonely person per se. Sometimes I'm a little too inward and I don't share enough. I'm working on that now, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say short answer, probably not. But I think if you were just like, do you think you're a lonely person? I just said no and just left it like that. That'd be so, <laughs> just let it hang. That'd be so weird where you're like, okay, uh, you, what kind of music do you like? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a little strange. Do you prefer working uh, on your own or do you like collaborating with other comedians? Because you've done a bit of both. Well, in terms of writing my jokes, I write them on my own and, and, and will occasionally ask like a comedian friend I trust, well, what do you think? Do you think this should, uh, this needs a little punch up or what's a good button for this or whatever. But, uh, in terms of like writing, working on scripts and stuff, I I really love working with somebody else. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that the idea of an auteur is, is a little, I don't want to say outdated, but I just think generally speaking, you can, you can absolutely have too many cooks and spoil the stoop, but I, I, I think it, it's always better if you just at least have someone else read it and go, here's what I think it needs. Right. As much as, as, much as that sucks. I, I had about a year where I was like, I had a bad experience writing with someone, and then I took a year where I was like, no, nah, I'm just me. And all the ideas I came up with like were okay, but they were a little half-baked, and it was kind of like I let my pride get in the way a little bit. Now, I really dig... Uh, uh, writing with someone, even though sometimes it'll drive you crazy when you're just like, no, I I really love this scene. What do you mean we have to cut it? And you know they're right, right. that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No, but it, yeah, I can see how both would work uh, for a guy like you because I think the stories you tell are very vivid and I could see them, someone else even, uh, uh, you know, seeing something about them that, that you in a way that you could enact them, you know, where they could come to life in a mm. way. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing, you always have comedians and preferably ones you know that'll come up and offer you a suggestion. It's a little strange when, like, you know, the MC at the club is like, "Oh, I got this. I know how you can make your joke better." Kind of like, get away from me. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 always funny when someone's like, "Oh, you know, you should you should add to that story." And I'm like, "No, but it's a true story. I don't want to add that." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, it'd be funnier." It's like, no. And, and granted, I do exaggerate. Absolutely, I embellish. But it's. If you the person's like, well, what if the what if the person had one leg? It's like, but they didn't. They had two. Well, like, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a weird age we're living in. Where, and I was going to ask you about this a little bit later, but it is a weird age where uh, I think people, a lot of people, think they're funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a weird, nervy thing where they think they can tell a comedian what the what the hell they should be doing. Yeah, but you know that's not even that's that's been going on forever. Because that, that's the thing about comedy is it, it's one of those things. Most I would say not most, but a lot of people back their mind are just like I could do that, and they don't really they don't really think about what it entails. It, that's why it doesn't get a lot of respect. Yeah, uh, and and I get it, but it's kind of I was thinking back. There was a time. This is so random, but there was there was that show America's Got Talent, and and the, they had a. a a female like child comedian. She came out, she did her jokes. And then one of the judges was like, well, you, you know, you're only 12 and you're, you're better than 90% of the comedians out there. And it's like, dude, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like it, because that's just what people like uninformed people say. Yeah. They're just like, no, I'm pretty sure I know what's out there. It's just like, I mean, people who think of themselves as being enlightened will come up to me and be like, yeah, I just don't think women are that funny. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. That's like saying human beings aren't funny. Or, or like when I had a guy who was just like, yeah, you know, black comedians, all they talk about is, is, you know, the difference between white people and black people. And it's just like, well, no, that's, that's, you can't just say black comedians do this. That's so, 
that's that's like saying, oh, white people, they all water ski, all of them. It's like that's not true. And it, it, it's that it's that thing where people don't understand it or respect it, but they think they're experts about it. And I, I, I stretch to try to draw a parallel, but there isn't one I can think of that we do that about. You know? Yeah, no, it's true. Really, it's really weird. It is strange. I mean, I think that I think the lay a lay person would be like, well, I don't know how to make a movie. Uh, I know it's good and bad about a movie, but I have I don't have the first clue on uh, how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yet uh, this person is just going up on stage and telling stories. Well, geez, I can do that. Right, or I I know how that could be better, and I know someone. You know, it's it, yeah, or or. It's the min- <laughs> it's it's sort of the minimalist aspect of comedy. It seems so accessible. It just seems like, you know, there's not a pre- it's not a big production. It's often it's a mic and some lights and a guy and a, a person telling stories, and sure, and, sure. and that's why it seems more accessible. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's right. right. Absolutely, I'm not saying it's right, but that seems to be the impulse some people have. No, but it is it is true in 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 its in its it is very very simple and very. Um, kind of obvious what the person is going for and there are a lot of negative stereotypes about it that are well earned mm-hmm. you know but it's kind of, it's it's just always weird to me when people are like well so and 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 they want you to sum up exactly what it is you do so, oh so you you do these jokes like this like no not really well what do you do it's like well it's the same thing it all kind of boils down to the age old oh you're a comedian yeah oh well then tell me a joke right like, no like it, that, I mean, just saying like that, that just, it's just smacks of, of disrespect. Whereas, you know, the, the one people talk about is like, oh, you're a doctor. Okay. Can you check out this, my shoulder, it hurts or whatever. <laughs> right. But you, you, you know, that's a, that's known as being incredibly rude to a doctor. Yeah. And yeah. the whole tell me a joke thing, like, it's just, it's like, no, shut up. Don't, I'm, I'm not your dancing monkey. <laughs> and then not on the clock right now. <laughs> what was it exactly that got you into comedy, Matt? Well, I was, I, uh, was kind of always a class clown growing up, and I used to do, you know, little school plays and things, and then went to went to college for, for theater, and I moved to Chicago after college and uh, got into the improv scene and was doing that, and then uh, would I, I just remember doing a couple open mics and just, just got hooked and was like, oh, this is what I've always wanted to do, and you know, even in high school, I really, there's an, I remember there's an open mic at this at this bar and I wanted to, you know, use my fake ID, which said I was five foot four and I was not, I was a foot taller than that, uh, to get in. And, and I was just like, ah, uh, and I, you know, but I, I, it's one of those things I just really wanted. I always wanted to do, but I wasn't as honest with myself as I could have been. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once I started doing it, then it just, it, it just goes from there, you know? Do you remember what actually sparked your interest? Was there a particular person or a particular show uh, in writing and telling jokes? So what was it? No, I just remember growing up, growing up watching Saturday Night Live and, and listening to my parents' comedy albums and um, just uh, uh, watching, you know, back when Comedy Central would just, all they did was show clips from comedy clubs of people doing routines. I just watched that incessantly. Right. Um, I think back it was called like the, the Comedy Network or something weird. But, you know, I, I can't really pinpoint the one thing or moment. I was like, that's it. But I was always something. I was always something I was into. Okay, no, I just wondered if there was a particular, like, you didn't have a person in particular that you're like that guy or that woman. No, I mean, listening to uh, "Class Clown" by George Carlin when I was a kid on on my parents' record player. Oh, okay. I just it really clicked to that because it was just you know it was just about um, 
you know, he has a line where he's like, you know, class clowns are, uh, you know, all the same. You get, you're sitting in class, you get bored, and you figure, well, why not rob someone else of their education? <laughs> and it just, it's, it would just exactly that, because you're just restless, and you're thinking of stuff. You know, I was always just riffing and, and, and saying stuff in class out loud. Like, looking back, I was like, oh, God, I would hate to be my teacher. Right. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> Now, on, on Big Dumb Animal, there's a moment, uh, in fact, there's a bit where you talk about the fact that Portland is cool now, but it wasn't very cool when you were living there, right? No, no, not when I was growing up. And what was it like? I mean, we, we have a, I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario, which is Canada's Portland in terms of ah, yes. hippiedom and, well, I don't mean to disparage Portland, but the stereotypes of, of basically what Portland Often we relate to Portlandia here in Guelph. We're like, well, that's pretty much this place. Yeah, uh, that's Portlandia is pretty dead on. There, there's nothing really on that show that I would go, oh, that's way off. It's 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 it hits the mark. Right. Uh, it was it was a little more uh, just kind of plain old hippie-ish when I was a kid. Uh, what with um, you know very, very progressive people and um, very mellow people. You know, a lot of fringe art, a lot of bad art mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. growing up that, that you'd see. Um, but uh, used to, my parents would take me to plays and things like that. And um, I had a good group of friends. There was there was no real uh, uh, strange thing that stood out about any any one of us. Generally, it was just, I'm sure I had a similar childhood to most people, but it was just a it was just a really comfortable place to grow up. I remember. But at some you point, know, it's, it's st- it still is. But now it's kind of it's a lot more in demand. There's a lot more money there now. Uh, the, the the cost of living is higher. Um, but there's like a, a thousand amazing amazing restaurants now too, which is cool. It's so, at some point it seems to have become more what activisty, more I don't want to say enlightened, but it does seem to. That's the vibe we we get from it from afar. Is that? Do you know what? Triggered? Oh yeah, well it was always like that. Okay. Always. Okay. Like my, yeah, I remember being in marches with my parents, and it's it's always been a very uh, progressive leftist uh, town. Uh, you go, you get a little more out in the sticks, it it turns the exact opposite way. Or in some of the some of the richer areas that you know the wealthy wealthy people that don't want to pay taxes to keep you know junkies in rehab kind of thing, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 generally speaking, it is very, um, you know, slightly Marxist. <laughs> right, that's the vibe. That's totally the vibe. Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah. and and but you're saying at some point there just there were better restaurants. Like there's just for some reason there was taste was added to the list of uh, attributes. Oh, you know, it's 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 interesting. I think it's just it was it was uh, I uh, growing up where there were always great places to eat and stuff where people kind of went off like went off the grid and um and they started we're like oh i can open up a restaurant for cheap and that just once once uh people started finding out that oh this is this beautiful town that's in like an hour from the beach and an hour from the mountains and yeah uh, there's all these amazing natural resources in terms of farming in terms of uh you know getting food from the source mm-hmm. then it you know, about like oh, 10 15 years ago people just started opening it up all these, all these great places that was that were kind of reflective of the of the of the vibe there. So, it was, I think that that uh, mind state was kind of always there. But once people kind of just discovered it on a national sense, people then then just chefs came in droves. I kind of I, I'm reminded of being in uh, I forget if it was 
Puerto Vallarta or Mazatlan, but there were there were great like Thai restaurants there. Mm-hmm. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Where these Thai, these, these thai chefs were like, oh, I love Mexico and I'm just going to like screw it, I just want to live here, and so it was kind of this. It's it's like this chef goes, oh well, I can just stay here and raise a family, and you know, do a restaurant my way, and not you know, open up something in say New York or Los Angeles where it's all or nothing. Yeah. Like I'm either going to be successful or bankrupt. <laughs> right, right, okay. It's a lot less risk. So you're and you what? You still have family there? Yeah, my folks live there. I've got. Uh, a couple aunts and a couple cousins who live there. Okay, so you're still deeply connected to the to the city of Portland. Yeah, my parents were moved there in the late 70s, and then um, in the 80s, uh, another one of my aunts moved, and then after that, two more of my aunts moved there, mm-hmm. uh, and and had and had families, and so it's uh, it's it, you know they kind of were like the pioneers for the, like, the rest of the, <laughs> of the family, at least the the other ones who came, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered because you. I mean, you've had a lot of success in your career up to this point. I assume it keeps you away from Portland, uh, and and I'm, mm. I imagine there have been some peaks and valleys. What, what's been the most exciting development in your career thus far? Oh man, um, I, I I think that the the most surreal thing was just was doing Letterman in 2008 because a year before that I I still had a day job and uh, and it just, and that was also when I had Mad TV. So that was kind of. Um, there's there's like a, a pinnacle, but I remember that was just like, oh wow, this is the Ed Sullivan Theater. This is insane. Um, but uh, and and just you know doing at this point, having done two hour specials that have been on TV is 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 a pretty massive deal for me. Yeah, you know when I, when I think about it, it's just insane. Uh, but you know, just just really bottom line, making a, a living at it, and you know, I mean, I. I'm not rich by any means, but it, it is like a regular job, which is all I really ever wanted. You have pipe dreams of, you know, massive fame when you're when you're growing up, but then you get older and you see what that kind of stuff does to people, and you're kind of like, well, I don't even know if I want that. Like if I if I got offered some massive role or something like that, of course I'd have to take it, but it doesn't hold that, you know, all or nothing allure like it used to. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, it's, it's just. I mean, honestly, this made you know when I look at the people I started out with, and all of us are, you know, um, getting by, and I and 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 doing 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 either well to really well. It's just it just that that to me is the pinnacle. That's it's really exciting. Well, there's no 
for a lot of celebrities, for actors, some of the biggest actors in the world, whoever, there's not really job security in what you do, is there? No. No, <laughs> you, you, you have to be very careful and uh, make the right decisions and don't do something dumb like buy three cars or, you know, uh, um, you turn down too much work. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a balance. Yeah, uh, definitely. And you have to, and, and it's, you know, a lot of the people I know who, who I think are doing amazingly are just, you know, nervous wrecks when I talk to them. Like, oh man, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is going to, the bottom's going to drop out. And, you know, I've had friends who did uh, twice as much road work as me to the point where they just had no social life yeah. back home. And, and uh, I was just like, you know, you, you, you're running yourself rampant. It's, it's, it's a little bit like I kind of compare it to, you know, weightlifting. If you if you lift weights the 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 same way every single day, you're not gonna you're just hurting your body. You have to lift weights and then give yourself like a day of rest and then go back. You know, uh, it's the same thing for me with stand up. If I did if I did a long set every single night, I, you know, I would not be mentally healthy. I don't think. So what do you do? I I, I understand what you're saying. What do you do in your off time as a comedian? Oh, you just try to write and, uh, you know, have a good time. <laughs> uh, you know, eat something good and, and then and, 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 uh, try to plan for the next thing, basically. Okay, it's just like a fairly normal... That sounds normal enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I go on auditions. I, I, uh, I have a couple projects I'm working on. So you, you try to keep yourself busy, but... Yeah. It's it's very important to have a life because otherwise, what the fuck do you talk about on stage? Well, you mentioned that people you know are stressed out, and it's and it's a it's a hard life. It can be a hard life. There's so many platforms for comedy by professionals and amateurs nowadays, and and for everything that explodes in popularity, there are countless things that fly under the radar or don't get picked up. It's very it just seems very competitive, and I'm curious, what do you make of the current landscape of of content? production like everyone is making stuff constantly it seems yeah yeah well it, it, it that's it doesn't look like that's ever going to stop and that's that's okay it's it, some things we get looked at more than other things i just kind of i i it i try not to let it concern me or consider it too much because other than the stuff i want to do it doesn't really affect me right and you know it's just like anything you you concern yourself with the things you can control and then the rest, you kind of just, you let it go. Um, it's just like being, you know, try not to let feelings of, of jealousy or anything enter your mind. It's just like, yeah, you can't really uh, concern yourself with everyone that's that's making stuff and putting stuff out. Just put the stuff out you want to put out, I guess, in, in short answer. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. But do you feel pressure to be on Twitter or, or Facebook or something with, as a comedian, do you feel like, ah, i got to come up with something today? No, I mean, yeah, to a degree, you gotta, you got to hustle. Yeah. Absolutely. But you can also oversaturate yourself. Like, people that just I'll tweet 20 times a day, you're just <laughs> alienating people. Right. Okay, so you, you, your, your approach is to everything in moderation, basically. Try, well, that's what I like to think. Of course, it's not true. I mean, I, I have... Uh, failures and, and all all aspects of you know social media or whatnot or mm -hmm. being lazy or working too much, uh, but yeah, in the end, you, it's just you just gotta maintain a balance. Don't don't let it drive you insane. And 
you know, it's just like when a comedian's relaxed on stage, the audience is relaxed, and and you get it's it's kind of a parallel for your life, right? You know, now you've been involved in TV and filmmaking and, and all, all sorts of other things. What do you think is the best entry point for comedy writers these days? So, wh- where would you recommend people focus their energy? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I I think. Uh, hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, write what you know and uh, write what you think is funny. I think the, the the trap people fall into too much is here's what people are looking for, and so I'm going to make that rather than uh, let me write about my own life, write about the truths that I know that I've discovered. Um, in terms of the best way to get discovered, I still have not found that out. I don't know. I think mm. that changes daily. Uh, but yeah, just just the, the the things. I mean, I have I have you know, projects that I'm, that I'm pitching around town, but I'm also doing stuff on the side with friends that I just think is, is funny that I'm just going to make myself. I think it's right, right now we're in a a huge era of DIY of do it yourself. So, you know, as much as you can learn about how to make your own shorts, how to make your own films, uh, the better, because you know, you can, you can pitch all day. Uh, but if you can just show someone, Oh, here's the thing I wrote. And it's like a five minute thing. People are like, Oh great. I can just watch this. Like yeah, you can see exactly what your vision is. You know? Yeah, there does seem to be this sense of like just your calling card is whatever you make. You know, you can make whatever you want. It saves us doing job interviews these days. I feel like there barely are. Well, it's not true, but I think there are auditions well, and job interviews. But people are just making yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, Dan Dan Harmon had the best analogy that I've heard for it is you know when he was a kid and he'd be walking in the woods, and his mom was like, "Well, if you get, if we get separated, don't you just stay where you are." and I'll find you. Mm-hmm. Don't wander all over the place. I'll find you. And it's the same thing with being creative with the people that can help you out, be it representatives or producers or whatnot. Just make good shit, and, yeah. people, you'll, and then people will find out. You know, you're not in... You know, if you're, if you're doing a one-man show in a black box theater that no one goes to, okay, maybe they won't find you. But I'm saying, you know, if you're, if you're putting out good, good stuff, what, the, uh, what the, uh, the other side of the business people call content... You know, if you're making good stuff, then they'll, they'll, they, you, you'll get found because people will want to be in business with you and you can get, get a career going. Yeah, I just read, uh, I was just reading this book. Uh, have you read this book, Poking a Dead Frog? I've heard of that. Yes, it's, I heard it's great. It's by Michael Sisk and he just talks to a bunch of, uh, you know, top comedy writers. And so they talk to the people that uh, made Cheers and they, how they got, mm. how they got Cheers was just by writing spec scripts. Um, yep. and I don't know if that's still a thing and I, I'm only asking you mm-hmm. cause you're in that world. I mean, is that something you've done? I think it is. Uh, no, I have never done okay. that, but I, I didn't really want to ever have a staff job, but yeah, that it, it never hurts. The one thing I've learned is you might as well just do it. You might as well just make, make the effort, uh, and, and write stuff, even if someone will never see it because you're going to get better. And that's, that's kind of a shitty thing to hear and it's annoying, but mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I kind of fell into the trap of, uh, not uh, uh, focusing on, on sides for an audition, uh, a couple of years ago. And you, you don't really, you're like, why would I work so hard on this? If, if they're, you know, if I probably won't get it. And it's kind of like, no, the way to look at it is you memorize those lines and you work them and you work them and you work them to death so that when, uh, you go in, even if you don't get the part, you're going to knock them on their ass. Right. And they'll be like, shit, maybe he is like a, a six, four guy and not a, um, you know, a uh, uh, four foot nine black woman, you know, that kind of, <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, it's one of those, it's always the same thing. Like if you're going to work, you might as well work hard. You might as well, you know, if, if 
writing a spec script is tricky, but it, but it'll it'll teach you things to write it, even yeah. if someone never sees it. So between between a, a, a spec script and also just having a packet, if you're going to be a comedy writer of sketches that you've written or ideas or whatnot, so they kind of get what you could do. I appreciate the uh, industry talk all of a sudden. I didn't mean to take us down this route, but I, <laughs> I, fig- <laughs> I figured you, I figured you might know. You've been doing this a long time. Um, a little bit. I, I'm not that familiar with that world, but I have a lot of friends who really are. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, as a comedian, I'm curious about you and your country because I can't. Uh, I think. Uh, do you are, you are you feeling good about the direction your country is uh, going in? Where it's at right now? No, uh, it's it's. I, I you know I'm definitely a lefty. And so I've I've I'm concerned by you know everything from the 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 TSA um, mm-hmm. monitoring our every email and phone call without letting us know uh, you know violating our civil liberties on a daily basis uh, to you know our uh, our our ever constant role as the world's policeman uh, and and you know the, lately our our need to uh, use deadly force on black citizens and with no repercussions. Uh, on the law enforcement side. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I do really love it here and there's so many things I do love, but it's, you know, I'm not a love it or leave it guy. I'm a, I'm a love it. So work on changing it for the better. I think we, 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 we are in a horrendous deadlock with our political parties where nothing is getting done. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy with a lot of things that our president has done and promised to do and then didn't. Uh, but at the same time, uh, he's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, non-citizen, uh, devil-minded, radical Islamic terrorist like he's been painted by a, a great number. You know, there are people in my country who just are just are they hate him and they don't know why mm-hmm. because it's just this propaganda um, that has been uh, beaten over the heads of the citizens, namely mostly by like Fox News, but. Yeah, so that's those are all my uh, my grievances uh, <laughs> off the top of my head. But no, it's like to, to be honest. Yeah, it's, I'm, I, I haven't been very uh, happy over over things. But there are a lot of things we're doing that I think are that I think are great too. And I and I do genuinely, genuinely love it. And I love uh, being an American. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm. You know, it's, I think back to when I backpacked through Europe, and anytime people found out I was American, they would just get in my face about. Uh, just this is, I think, was it back when George W. was president? I yeah, forget. Anyway, yeah. but it was just like, yeah, no, I get it. He's horrible, you know. And and it, it, but it's it's this thing of not even just that, but you know, a lot of the stuff does not come out in our in our in our media as honestly as it does in say like the Guardian in the UK, right? Uh, or 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 various other, you know, or like you know Al Jazeera. It's it's it's. That alone drives me nuts. No, so I, I get it. Does, I get it. Does this? Does this? Uh, you know, we're, we're coming. We're, we. I've just spent a lot of time with the, uh, what I gather is your most personal hour of comedy yet, and you. Mm-hmm. And this was purposeful. Does all of the stuff you just described uh, come as ha- come? Ha- is it handy as fodder for your material, or do you stray away? Oh, uh, well, no. Yeah, I just I don't do a lot of political stuff because I'm just not that good at it. I just tend to kind of go go mental and get angry about it, and and I think angry comedy is great, but 
I know people that are better at it than me and are way more informed than I am. I don't keep as up to date as I as I should probably as an adult and a citizen, mm-hmm. but it's just not exactly my bag. My 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 job is is more to just you know let the steam out and let people kind of forget their problems a little bit. Like that to me is my fundamental okay. thing. But I will I will if there's something I'm like oh this is a great hook this is something uh, uh, that I can talk about. The other problem is. I, I like to keep my stuff stuff as timeless as possible. Right. And if you're talking about something that just happened, I remember I, when I, I had a, a joke about a movie that was out back in Chicago and I loved doing it. But a year later I'd have to, anytime you're like, Hey, you guys remember that? You know, when you're, when you're setting it up with that, it's kind of like, yeah, dude, we were, we lived through that. What do you have now? Yeah. You know? That's, that's <laughs> you a good know? point. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. Right. It's the equivalent of, of guys like going like remember monica Lewinsky? like yeah we do that was a really weird time uh can you talk about something else you know <laughs> yeah 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 no i hear you okay no, that makes sense yeah. uh well mm-hmm. what's what's coming up next for you matt uh you've got the special out yep that's out i've got a, a web series that i'm doing for comedy central that we'll be shooting sometime this year um that i'm excited about and then um uh yeah just just going to be on the road and uh um you know, a couple, couple other things in in the pike uh, that I'm not generally supposed to talk about, but they will come to light, you know, or not. We shall see. But, uh, but yeah, that's 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 about it. Just the road, and um, you know, the specials out on uh, on on the, uh, you know available for digital download and should be available for vinyl in like a, a month or two. Oh, cool! You got into the vinyls. Th- I've noticed this is happening more with stand-up records. Are you excited about that? Are you a vinyl guy? Oh yeah, this will be my third vinyl album. Actually, oh, cool. the first one was yeah, the first one is 2009, and it there were there was a problem because there were only three vinyl factories left, and they were booked solid. Mm-hmm. And then now there's you know dozens more, but now they're booked solid because vinyl is so popular. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Catch twenty two. Yeah. And if you do or don't, in terms of that now. Well, that's <laughs> that's exciting. That's great. And now you mentioned the road. Are you planning to come to Canada? Uh, yeah, you know what? I will be there. I'll be in uh, Vancouver, BC, um, uh, next weekend. Next weekend? So, Holy cow! Oh, so we yeah we are talking at the right time. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. All no, right. perfect. Yeah, you'll be in Great. Vancouver. What are you doing? The Biltmore or something? Uh, no, the uh, the comedy mix. Comedy mix. Okay. Well, we'll, yes, we'll, we'll I'll send some links out to people so they know where to go to figure that out. And oh, I'd love it. Thanks, be, dude. And they can go to mattbronger dot com too if they want to know. And I. I'll, I'm, 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 I'm relatively sure I'll be doing uh, just for laughs too in Montreal. We'll see. Okay, cool. Yeah, you've done it before, right? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I go about every other year. Okay, cool. Well, let me just tell folks that once again, Matt Bronger's new special is the very funny Big Dumb Animal, and it's out now mm-hmm. via Comedy Dynamics, and you can learn more about it as he said at mattbronger.com. That's M-A-T-T-B-R-A-U-N-G-E-R.com. Uh, Matt, is there something from the album that we can play for people right now that'll make sense as a standalone bit? Oh boy, uh, yeah, I think um, uh, I think the oh boy, trying to trying to pick one here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you just put uh, the the title, the opening track, uh, "Killing It," would kind of sum up where where it's going. That's that's the kind of the jump off spot. Okay, Hopefully it'll get people excited for the rest of it all right this is killing it by matt bronger matt it was a real pleasure to get to speak with you and i wish you the best of luck with everything awesome thanks so much for having me man
Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Romner! Yeah! Awesome times. Oh, here we are. Thanks for coming, everyone. Thank you for being a part of this. This is fantastic. Um, Ah, I am 39, I'm unmarried, I have no children, no girlfriend, still rent an apartment, I think I'm fucking killing you guys. I think I'm doing great. I think I'm doing great. I think in the example of what a man should be at my age, let's not lie. Um, I don't know if I'm being sarcastic. Like, at all. At all. You know what I mean? Like, to some people, like, Ugh, get it together. Some people, like a guy with like seven kids, are like, oh fuck, you're my hero, I love you so much. Like, never change. You know, because I don't, I don't have a problem with me, and I'm not, you know, trying to stay this way all the time, but it just, just happened. The odd thing is, it would be less sad if I were gay. You know what I mean? Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you're 39, you're unmarried? Yeah. Oh, are you gay? No. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's somehow grosser that I'm not gay, which is cool, progressively speaking. You know what I mean? You think about it. It's kind of amazing, you know? And the thing is, look, I don't want to be single. I don't. Like, I just got out of a relationship. It was horrible to break up with that person and all that jazz, you know. But I wasn't doing it because, like, ooh, I want to be single. I want to be out there chasing puss at 39. Yeah. No, I don't, you know, because I don't. Look, I want a companion. I want a partner in life. But I also don't want to be creepy. I don't want to, right? Because uh, uh, men are just creepy, and single men are creepy times a thousand, you know? <laughs> just are. And it, all men, all men are creepy. And I know every time I say that, there's always a guy in the audience giving me a face like, hey, like I'm a good guy. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Look, we're all creepy the way God made us. Our physicality alone. Like, think about it. What is an erection but a meat arrow going, you? Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> the way God built us. Come back. Can I put this inside of you? Let me put me in you. What's the problem? No matter how smooth you break the eyes, hey, I'm Greg, whatever, the objective is still the same. If a girl comes up to me in a bar and just wants, you know, starts talking, I have no idea what the hell she wants, right? Could be like she wants to just pass a couple moments, she might want to know what time it is, talk sports, I don't know. If I go up to a woman I've never met in a bar, I might as well be like, hi, I'm Matt. You know what I want, you know! Please hold me, I'm so alone. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.